Rav Miller's preface to the preface of the Mesilus Yeshodim. The Mesilus Yeshodim writes in his introduction, and even though the beginnings and the fundamentals of the ideas that will be dealt with in this book are already established in the heart of every upright person, if he does not delve into them, he will see the details and yet not recognize them. And he will come upon them and not sense them. The Mesilus Yishodim precedes this statement with a Talmudic proof. This is a simple fact, something that a person does not feel that he is obligated to do, he does not think about. We find this principle, for example, in a halacha in the Shulchan Aruch, which says that if someone who is unfamiliar with the laws of ritual slaughter, slaughters an animal without expert guidance, the meat cannot be considered kosher. This is true even if the slaughterer subsequently learns the relevant laws and claims that he is certain that he he previously slaughtered correctly. Because whatever a person does not feel that he is obligated to do, he doesn't think about. We assume that since at the time of slaughtering he did not know the laws, then it is certainly, then it is a certainty that he would not have been able to notice any deficiency in the observance of those laws. The same is true in life. If you ask someone who walks up and down the steps to his front door every day for many years, how many steps are there or how many buttons there are on his shirt? Typically, he will not know how many there are because whatever a person does not feel that he is obligated to do, he doesn't think about. But if even once he would stop and think about it, then he would immediately see how many steps there are. The Mesilus Yishodim is revealing to us that having knowledge of general principles is worthless without intense study and thought into the minutest details of the principles. For example, the concept, Oilam Chesed Yebane, the, wo- the world was created for the purpose of kindliness, is very well known. And nevertheless, most people do not think about occurrences in life in a way that would enable them to see or feel the chesed. People know and believe the world is a world of kindliness while simultaneously feeling angry about some aspect of their lives. Similarly, the general principles and importance of Shemira Salashan, avoiding gossip, are well known. But when it comes to the specific application, people commonly fail. If then it is true that upright people already know the fundamental principles of Musr, then why is it necessary to learn Musr? Why do we need the Mesilus Yishodim if we already know the ideas it contains? Someone who thinks this way will end up living his whole life in darkness without even knowing it. If he does not delve into them, he will see the details and yet not, and yet not recognize them. Every aspect of serving Hashem requires effort. Instead, we think we understand what the Mesilus Yishodim is telling us, and we therefore resolve to continue reading and to contemplate everything he says and delve into all of the specifics. But we forget the self, the several hundred, that several hundred years have already passed from the time of the writing of the Mesilus Yishodim until our generation. When he wrote the fundamentals, were already established in the hearts of every upright person. Did he intend to include our generation? 
it's possible that he didn't even mean for that generalization to apply to his own generation beyond his students who were experts in all areas of hidden and revealed Torah. When we study a work like the Choyvus Halavavus, we find major debates and significant issues about, about which we do not understand what the fuss was about. But we have to remember that the Choyvus Halavavus was written over a thousand years ago for the people of that generation. To people in our generation, studying this work is analogous to a great Rosh Hashiva delivering an intricate lecture to students who are just beginning to learn Aleph Bess. There are a lot of levels in between Aleph Bess and the words of a Gadol Batayda. Therefore, when we approach the holy works such as the Chayvah Salavavis and the Mesilis Hitsharim, we have to understand how far away we are from their words. We are not even ready to begin with their introductions. The fourth chapter of the Mesilis Hitsharim deals with various methods to acquire the trait of Zahidus, carefulness. He offers three levels corresponding to three qualitatively different people, those of perfected intellect, the average, and the masses. For the, math, for the masses, the method involves appreciating the system of divine reward and punishment and the seriousness of divine punishment. From this, we have an insight into what the masses were like at the times of the Messiah Shoshadim. When we learn the Mesilis Hashanah, we gloss over the advice to the masses and begin to focus on the method for the average person. If not the method for those with perfected intellects. But we fail to understand that we do not even resemble the masses that lived at the time of the Mesilis Hashanah and how far we are from their spiritual level. The Mesilis Hashanah writes at the beginning of his, of his, of his introduction. The reader will only find in the majority of my words things that the majority of people already know and about which they have no doubts. When we read this sentence, we simply accept that everything we'll see will be well-known and straightforward ideas. However, one who truly scrutinizes and delves into the work will find novel ideas in virtually every line. So when the Mesilus Hashanah says that everything he has written is obvious and known, what he meant is that there was nothing new to him. For him, it was all obvious and known. The Mesilis Yisharim continues and says, It is possible that the reader will not find everything novel after reading, the, after reading the work that he did not know before reading it, except for a little. Here he, he admits that there is, least, there is at least a little novelty. Would he have written false statements just out of humility? Rather, it must be, as we have explained, that to him these ideas were already known. Furthermore he, furthermore, he was writing for an audience of his time that was sophisticated in issues of Emuna and Yira. Even the masses, as he describes them in the fourth chapter, were great in their beliefs compared to us. His words were chosen carefully when he says, and even though the beginnings and the fundamentals of the ideas that will be dealt with in this book are already established in the heart of every upright person, this is specifically limited to an upright, yashar person. The introduction continues. Realize that the matters of piety and fear and love of Hashem and purity of the heart are not matters that are innate in a person. 
that there should be no need to devise means to acquire them. Rather, they certainly require means and and strategies to acquire them. Means indicates that we need various methods to acquire these achievements, such as learning Torah and doing mitzvahs and good deeds. Strategies implies that means alone are insufficient and that wisdom and ingenuity are also necessary. Apparently, the Mesilis Shalom is informing us that the achievements of fear and love of Hashem and purity of heart are not innate. Natural conditions are not innate natural conditions for everyone. However, it seems problematic that he should have, that he should have to explain this. Would we have thought that these lofty levels were, were innate? Rather, if we contemplate his words, we will find that he is describing a, significantly, a significant mistake that is virtually universal and completely unknown. If you ask almost any Torah-observant individual if they know and understand the topic of fear of Hashem, which includes the various topics we have been discussing, everyone will respond that even if they have not yet applied themselves to acquire it, they certainly know what it is and how it is necessary to behave. The proof for this is how common it is for for people to offer their own opinions on this topic. There is an innate arrogance that everyone has that they possess an upright intellect. Even though one recognizes about oneself that he is not a genius or a gadol batayda, nevertheless he feels certain that his intellect is yashar. Is there a single person in the world who would say about himself that he doesn't have a correct intellect or that he doesn't think straight? By the definition of the Mesilis Yishadim, one who is upright possesses naturally possesses naturally the beginnings and the fundamentals of fear of Hashem. If so, we need to examine ourselves to determine if these qualities are already innate within us, and if they are not, to to reevaluate our perception of our own Yashrus. The Chayvus Elavavus writes in Shad Avoidas Elohim that the foundation of the service of Hashem is gratitude. The ideal approach for man is to attempt to repay Hashem for all of the goodness and kindliness that he has done. The Gemara explains that part of the straps used to carry out the punishment of lashes were made from the hide of a donkey. Based on the verse, the ox knows its owner and the donkey knows the trough of its master. Yisrael does not know. My people do not contemplate. The Gemara continues, Hashem said, let the one who recognizes his master's truff come and exact punishment from the one who does not recognize his master's truff. The explanation is that we should think, how is it that Hashem grants this sinner bread to eat and clothes to wear, and he goes out and deliberately transgresses the laws of the Torah? A donkey at least recognizes the truff as its master, and therefore subjugates itself to him. Why do we not learn to subjugate ourselves to our master? This is what the verse says. My people do not contemplate. The symbolism of the straps made from the donkey hides is to indicate that you didn't learn the characteristic of gratitude from the donkey. Therefore, let the strap of the one who had gratitude come and punish the one who did not have gratitude. 
This further implies that the punishment of lashes is actually for the lack of gratitude toward Hashem, not the specific transgression itself. But why is a lack of gratitude such a severe deficiency? We could imagine a scenario where the poor fellow being lashed is a simple unlearned person who had a hard day. He is not a tzaddik or a philosopher, certainly not one of the great people of his generation. Such a person barely scrapes together a living, is perhaps even dependent on others for his food and shelter, and in a state of severe hunger, he goes ahead and he eats some forbidden food in front of two witnesses. How is it possible that we then go and punish him for his lack of gratitude to Hashem? Isn't that a sophisticated level of spiritual awareness that we expect from a tzaddikim? The answer is no. Gratitude is a baseline expectation. The Chayvus Levavus assumes gratitude as a given because the feeling of gratitude in his time was an innate and normal attitude. This is the description of the upright person of previous times. This is not a description of Sadiqim, but the description of regular people. Just as everyone today understands that it is obviously inappropriate to walk around in the street without clothing, because there is an innate, natural sense of shame, so too in previous generations there was an, there was an innate, natural sense of gratitude. Therefore, perhaps, the, perhaps to the people of the generation in which the Mesilus Yishadim was written, its ideas were well known already, but this is not the case in our time. Therefore, one who begins to study work such as the Chayvus Levavus and the Mesilus Yishadim needs some prior preparation to learn the beginnings and fundamentals. It happens often that when we discuss the topic of gratitude that someone will ask afterwards, why do I have to have gratitude? Did I ask to be created? Did I ask to be created? Do those who ask such a question really have no love for this world? Would they really prefer to not be alive? Of course, this is only an evasion. But it is clear that such people are lacking any kind of natural sense of gratitude. You do not need to learn Chayvus Olavavus or L'Mesil Shadim to know that you need to have gratitude. Chazal say that Derech Eretz preceded the Torah by 26 generations, meaning the Torah requires the prerequisite of Derech Eretz. In the entire book of Breishis, which focuses on Derech Eretz, we do not find an explicit teaching of gratitude because it is assumed to be so fundamental. Similarly, the trait of shame is something that should be embedded in a person's nature. The Torah tells us that Adam and Chava felt shame at being naked, even when there was no one else with them, because their shame was part of their nature. There are a varieties of inappropriate behaviors about which people might complain. Where does it say that it is forbidden? However, the fact is that there are many things that are not written in any source, and yet it is incumbent to bring a proof that they are permitted, rather than demanding proof that they are forbidden. But in our generation, where the quality of Yashras has so diminished, this sensitivity is lost, and everything is considered permissible until proven otherwise. 
Therefore, in our generation, it is obligatory to pursue a yashad intellect within the Musa works and the statements of Chazal. Someone who does not exert himself in this pursuit does not delve into, does not delve into it, could end up as someone who perhaps knows a tremendous amount of Torah and yet remains a plain person in the arena of Yashrus. This can lead to permitting things which are in reality forbidden on the basis of where is it written that it is forbidden? The lack of an upright intellect can cause this absence of understanding and lead to damaging the fundamentals of life. There is more evidence that we are qualitatively different than the audience the, the Mesilis Yishadim was originally addressing. In Slabatka, I heard the following. Chazal tell us that the wicked are full of regrets. They also tell us that one does not commit a sin without getting something out of it. They are describing how a sinner in the midst of committing the act feels some drive or desire to do the sin. However, once that feeling has passed, he is left with nothing but regret. He will likely encounter the same test again and have the same feelings of drive and desire for the sin. And he will stumble again. But the regret will remain. Is this indeed our our experience? Do even the best of us feel full full of regret if we oversleep and miss the time for saying Shema? Does this create any feeling of pain or regret? Once we get out of bed, the desire to sleep more has passed. So how come we don't feel regret? There are a variety of assumptions that Chazal made regarding human nature that have degraded over time. For example... The principle that a person will not brazenly deny a debt in front of his debtor. Or the principle that a person will not make a completely unfounded monetary claim. It is not certain if it is possible to continue to rely on these halakhic rules because the natural trait of shame is no longer like it once was. Therefore, one who does not deal with the issues raised in the Mesil Zeshadim is not merely lacking a certain lofty level of piety. Rather, one will be deficient in the actual fundamentals of what it means to be an upright person. The Gemara tells a story about certain ruffians who lived in the area of Rabbi Zayda uh, and whom Rabbi Zayda befriended in order to try to influence them to repent. Apparently, these fellows were so problematic that the other rabbis objected to Rabzera's association with them. When Rabzera died, these ruffians said, Until now we had Rabzera who prayed for mercy on our behalf. Now, who will pray for us? And the Gemara Gemara reports that this thought brought them to repent. Rav Simcha Zissel, the altar of Kelm, comments regarding this story. Could we find today someone who who would change their lives for the better in response to the death of a righteous person? Even the righteous people today do not repent if a tzaddik passes away. We must therefore conclude that an Ama'aretz of previous times was in fact a master in the area of Amuna. Not only did they have clarity in the principle of divine reward and punishment, but they also understood the significance of the presence of Sadiqim. The conclusion from all of this is that there has been a change over the generations and an extraordinary spiritual decline.
Not merely from the time of the Talmud until today, but also from the time of Chayvah Zalavavas and even from the time of the Mesilis Hashadim. Just as it is impossible to describe to a blind person the differences between colors, so too we are like blind people who do not understand. We are very far from fundamental principles that were once obvious to our people. And it is now a very great task for us to work toward in integrating these ideas. When we approach the works of Musser, and even more so the words of Chazal, we need to acknowledge how much effort is required of us to understand what they are saying. If we approach these teachings with sufficient effort and with the desire to understand them and to feel something, perhaps with heaven's help we will merit becoming upright people.